You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Thank you, Lord. Just thank him right where you're at. That his death on the cross was your sinner's death that he paid in full. The death that was brought by sin onto your and my life was arrested at the cross of Jesus. The chains fell off and sin was shackled to the enemy forevermore. And I just want to take a time of just prayer right now. Feel free to be seated. Feel free to stand. Feel free to get on a knee. God, everything we have is yours. Daddy, there's no greater thing. There's no greater thing than being adopted into the family of God because of what your son Jesus did. And Jesus, there is no greater thing than knowing you. Nothing in this life or the next could ever compare to you, God. You're our life. You're our joy. You're our all in all. You're our next breath, God. We owe our lives to you. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price that we could never pay. And now by the power that raised Jesus from the dead, I'm asking and I'm giving you permission, Holy Spirit, presence of God, to reign over this property this evening. These last three songs we just sang are so fitting and are our heart's cry for tonight. That the moment tires plant themselves on this property, death would be arrested in Jesus' name. And eyes and hearts would be open to you, Jesus, to the cross that paid for us, forgive us, forgiven our sin. And Lord, the empty tomb that remains empty so you can fill our lives with all that you are. And the freedom, the shackles that come off when we are made free in the presence of Jesus. God, I just ask you bless every goodie bag on the stage and around this building that your Holy Spirit would infuse every bag supernaturally more. Just, we can't even comprehend how you want to do it. But I just ask that each child, each family would experience you in a rich new way tonight. Would you bless everyone who's had a part in this, everyone coming out tonight. And now we wanna pray for our nation, God. 
We're a nation that needs you desperately. We're seeing the byproduct and the results of sin over hundreds of years. And we need you to come, Lord Jesus. We need you to come and heal our land. We ask you to be with our president right now, President Trump, Vice President Pence. Holy Spirit, may you have a welcome place in the White House and in our governing system. God, have your way in this election. We ask your will, not our will, your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And now we pray for the many families in our community and our church body who are struggling with illness, COVID, the flu, pneumonia, cancer. All of that was defeated and arrested at the cross. We place it at the cross, God. And we ask you to give healing and strength that only you can. Be with those who are watching and joining us on live stream right now. Would you meet them where they're at? May they experience you right in their homes. May they be reminded that they are loved, that they are missed, but you have got them. You've got them. You're holding them. And greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. I want to pray for our schools and our teachers, our school district board members, our superintendent, all of our staff in the schools, God. Would you rule and reign here in Blanchester? Have your way, God. Be with Michael. Be with Tiffany and Jeff as they minister to our kids, to our next generation. We ask for breakthrough and life change to happen, God. We need you in 2020, God. We need you. It's all in the precious. Any sickness they're bearing, any struggles, we give it. I pray for his mom, Tia. I pray for healing even now to just fill her body. Arrest that cancer in Jesus' name. Bring it to nothing, God. Set her free. Be with the family. I know Brent and his siblings are bearing a lot of weight right now to take care of her. So be with Brent. God, may we as a church lift his arms up when he's weary and heavy laden. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for our church family. Thank you for my sisters and brothers out here that I can call family. So many of them I know by name. And I know I could call them if I was in need and they'd be there and vice versa. So we bless you with this time, Lord Jesus. We bless you. We ask you to bless our worship team and bless those who are serving. Hi, everybody. Welcome on live stream. We love you. I'm a little emotional today. I just, uh, I'm so excited for tonight. 
I'm so excited for all the work that's gone into this. Our team, Tracy Scheimer, uh, Kelly Irwin, Veronica Grable, Angie Cohn, Zeke Baker. Man, Zeke even shed blood for the, <laughs> the drive-through yesterday, seriously. Um, but he's okay, but he's good. He was just adding to our crime scene out there. So, but uh, anyways, um, we're just excited for God to have his way in people's lives. Um, my calling, uh, this is why I shied away from lead pastor for so many years. God's called me from 1998 to lead a movement of creative arts that lead people to life transfer, transformation through Jesus. Those of you who don't know me, I don't have a seminary degree. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. I performed professionally for six years and then had to get a real job. <laughs> and uh, God's just doing something here. And I believe that the creative arts has power to meet people right where they're at. And so thank you for being involved in this event. I'll give you more details at the benediction of what's going to happen tonight. You know, um, one of the most incredible and most anticipated thing in one person's life is often finding that one. Finding that soulmate, that God send of a person to come into your life. And it's like when it comes into your life, that person comes into your life, everything starts to have color <laughs> and meaning. And there's glitter and glimmer to everything, right? I know some of you, you're still waiting for the one. You're still waiting for that person to come in your life. And you know what? Keep waiting. Keep looking to God for that. Keep your standard high and don't settle. Some of you had the one. And through multiple of reasons, sickness, whatever, death, you've lost that one. But you had it. And for that, um, gratefully, sorry, but very grateful that you were able to experience something so sacred created and designed by God. The reason I use the wedding illustration of finding the one is because we are called to be connected in worship. Worship is simply connecting with God, plugging into God, seeking him, laying your life down because he gave everything. It's responding to the greatness of God. But here's the thing. If you're not connected to the God you're worshiping, your worship is not connected and is empty. And you're just going through the movements. So I want to focus a little bit today about marriage. This is not a marriage sermon. This is a gospel worship salvation message for all of us to be connected in worship. I've done countless of weddings and it still to me does not get old to watch the bridegroom and the bride get ready 
for that special occasion. You know, it's really not about the dress. It's not even about the ceremony. It's about the woman and the man anticipating to see each other for the first time. And that signifies something so much more than a document or a piece of paper or just being together and living life together. Why? Is it's a covenant. It's a commitment through life to the good and the bad in sickness and in health, in the ups and downs. You are joined together. What joy is, is as a minister to watch the groom prepare himself for his bride. To want no one else is fully fixed on his precious hot toddy of a wife coming down. And the bride has awaited for this day since she can pretty much remember as a kid waiting for a man to be her knight in shining armor. And you know, there's just something so beautiful about it. But what I want us to understand is that in this kind of marriage, a man just doesn't meet a woman and find the right one and go on with life. A woman doesn't find the right man and just find them and, yay, I found my prince, I found my beauty. No, they enter into a covenant, marriage. They enter into a commitment as God designed it to build life and family from the union. You see, it's more about finding the right person. It's all about joining all that you are all that you have, all your deepest regrets and your deepest joys, your greatest highs and your greatest lows, your deepest dreams and your highest passions and joining them into one with your spouse. There's something so magical, if I can even say that, and spiritual and sacred that we as Christians so often miss the hidden sacred symbolism to marriage. When's the last time you've been to a wedding? And when the groom came out and the bride came down, did you think, wow, this is a reminder of my marriage with God? Have you even thought about your relationship with God as a marriage? The Bible talks all about it. We are the bride of Christ, that Jesus came to earth because of our sin to win us back to the Father. Why does a bride wear white and a veil? The white is the purity, the spotless bride without blemish, pure and holy, set apart for the bridegroom. 
That's why the Bible talks about purity before marriage. The marriage is sacred because the two finally come together in one. And the wife, the bride, leaves her family. The groom leaves his family and they start a family together. You see, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the bridegroom who came first to save us and lay down his life so we could have relationship with God through Jesus. But it also says that the bridegroom now, that his salvation act has been done once and for all. The bridegroom now is waiting for the call from the father to come get his bride, awaiting the groom to have relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son for all of eternity. You see, it's not merely about finding Jesus. You can say you found Jesus all you want. It's not merely about finding Jesus. It's about entering into a marriage covenant, a commitment to Jesus Christ because he committed everything for you. You see, you can wear a Christian t-shirt all you want. You can put whatever bumper stickers on your vehicle that you want. You can do social media posts with the greatest scriptures and quotes from many Christians from hundreds of years ago. And guess what? You can attend church faithfully Sunday after Sunday but finding Jesus is not enough. It's entering into a relationship with the bridegroom who wants to know you and love you and grow you into what he's designed you to be before he calls you home. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about a transactional relationship with God the Father, through Christ, the Son. We're talking about not just finding Jesus, but living in a day-to-day -day relationship with Jesus, our bridegroom. And so I just want to take some time to talk about what this relationship, not just finding Jesus, not just calling ourselves a Christian, but this relationship of getting to know Jesus looks like. And we'll start with this saying. I love this. By the way, a plug for Wednesday night. If you do not have a small group, we are a large group, and you can come whenever. Just because you missed the first two weeks, come this week. If you missed this week, come next week. It's so Good. And we also have AIM, the teen small groups, on the other side of the building during the same time. And that has been so good for them as well. Seven o'clock to 8.30, we're discussing Romans. And we just went through Romans chapter three through four. And this came up. And I love this phrase. It says this, God takes our sin, our sin, represents our death, which is the penalty of rebelling against God. He takes the sin 
that earns us a place in hell. And he deposits it in Jesus Christ's account. Jesus Christ takes his righteousness. What is righteousness? Simple, right standing with God. You see, in order to be one with God, just like in a marriage, you need to be holy. You need to be perfect. Okay, church is over, right? You need to be without sin. That is humanly impossible. And so Jesus takes his right standing with God and he comes to earth and he holds up the standard of his right standing with God in human form. And he places that righteousness in your account and my account. And I'd like to read to you Romans Chapter 4, verses 24 through chapter 5, verse 2. Feel free to turn on your phones or your, your Bibles. And let's see how this plays out as we talk about a covenant relationship with Jesus, our bridegroom. Give you a second to turn there if you are. God will also count us righteous. What does that mean? He literally looks at you and he sees you in right standing with God. What does that mean? He sees you without sin. Well, that's not possible. You're right. It's only possible through Christ Jesus. God will also count us as righteous if, if, if we do good things for him. No. If we're a good person, no. If I give faithfully to the church, no. If, I believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He has handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. That is describing the byproduct of a marriage with God through Jesus Christ. I want to just share with you three terms that is found in the Bible that sometimes can cause confusion and even division. And these are three things that are done when we believe in Jesus and we enter into a relationship with him. Watch this, this is incredible. This is good news. And we can ground our lives, build our lives upon this truth. Number one is this term called justification. You are justified in Christ. Where did that come from? Well, it's a, it's a, uh, a law term. It's found in the courtrooms. When you, you have charges against you, you are either going to be found guilty 
or not guilty of the charges pressed against you. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God and we are guilty of sin. Anyone disagree? (laughs) The wages of sin is death, which we're going to see in the drive-thru. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. All of us, all of us, have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but are justified through Christ's death on the cross and resurrection over the grave. What's that mean? Friends, put your name there. I'm addressing you. Livestream, I'm addressing you. You are not guilty. Justified means that God sees you like you have never sinned in your life. And it happened one time, once for all. It doesn't have to keep happening. Jesus didn't go to the cross day after day after day. Watch this verse in Hebrews 10, 10. For God's will was for us to be made holy. That is the only way we can be one with God by the, his sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Once for all time. Read that once for all time with me out loud. Ready? Once for all time. Yeah. So Jesus laid down the sacrifice, his life, and shed his blood once and for all. Why do we keep doing circles like dogs chasing our own tail, trying to figure out if we are in right standing with God or not. You know, when I was seven years old, I was so scared of going to hell that I was at the altar every Sunday on my knees praying for Jesus to come to my life, (laughs) to save me from my sin. And even though that's good and that's great and there's a place for repentance to turn from our sin, just like you married couples, have you had a fight this week? Don't raise your hands. We all mess up. We all bring offense towards God. And we gotta get right with our spouse before we can move back together as one in unison, one heart, one mind. We have to do that with God too when there's sin and unfaithfulness in our marriage to God. But that doesn't mean that you have to go through the whole salvation act and nail Jesus to the cross again. Salvation is spelled D-O-N-E, not D-O. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Justification. You are justified. In Christ, when you believe in him, you are no longer guilty. Friends, each and every one of us, and I could point to all of you and point to you in your living room, we will all stand before the judgment seat throne room of God, all of us. And we will have to give account for the penalty of sin. And there's two judgments. One, be gone from me. I've never known you. 
depart from me. And the other one is welcome home, my child. My faithful servant, well done. Come home. And the only thing that's standing in the balance between those two verdicts is the cross of Jesus Christ. Will your Savior be your attorney that stands next to you and says, Father, see these nail-scarred hands. See these feet. I shed my blood for him. I died for her. She is not guilty. That's what happens when you not just find Jesus, but you enter into a relationship with Jesus that lasts for all time. The second term is called sanctification. Now, unlike justification, which is a one-time act of Jesus Christ, you don't earn it. You can't deserve it. It's called unmerited favor, grace, undeserved favor. Sanctification is a continual day after day routine of getting to know Jesus more and more. I don't know about you, but I've been married almost 17 years. And I tell you, I can finish my wife's thoughts now. It's really scary. And sometimes she can read my mind, and that's even scarier. And sometimes we finish each other's sentences. A lot of times we enjoy the same things. We just love being with each other's presence. And there's times when I'm away from her, and I'll say something that is exactly what she would say and how she would say it. And you see, the more we spend time together and the more we grow in intimacy in all ways together, the more we kind of conform to each other, the more we talk like and act like each other. And that's the whole purpose of marrying Jesus. Not as we see earthly marriage, but as we see a covenant of us, the bride of Christ, and Jesus, the bridegroom. Do you know Jesus? Are you in a relationship with Jesus? Are you getting to know him more and more? Is it knowledge or is it experience? Is it routine or is it relationship? Sanctification is simply looking more and more like Jesus. It is a day after day after day, process, step by step to look more like Jesus. You can't look more like Jesus if you don't know him and you don't have a relationship with him. The scripture comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. My favorite scripture. We used it for our wedding verse, and still to this day, I don't know why, because it's not a normal wedding verse. But then I start to look at it in the context of connected to worship through the view and the perspective of the sacred symbolism in marriage. And I'm like, yeah. Why does a bride wear a veil? so she can lift it and the groom be the first one to see her and kiss her face, preferably her lips. 
And we all with unveiled face, what does that mean? When we come into a relationship with Christ, that veil of unbelief and sin is lifted. And Jesus sees us in our purity that he bought for us on the cross. That we are beholding or reflecting the glory of the Lord and being transformed into his same image from glory to glory, or this translation, I believe, says from one degree of glory to the other, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And may I say this, if you wanna look more like Christ, you need to have Christ in your life, but you also need to allow the Holy Spirit to do that work within you because you can't muster it with your own human reasoning, and your human strength. You're justified once and for all for those who believe in Jesus Christ. You are sanctified every day in growing more and more and more like Christ. Your earthly sinful habits should begin to fade and disconnect and become less and less as Christ becomes more and more in your heart. The last one is the greatest of all three and will not happen until we take our very last breath on this earth or we see Jesus face to face before that. Glorification, justification, sanctification, and glorification. This means the glory, the fullness of God's glory is you are in it and you are also of it. You are in his glory, but he glorifies you in all heavenly splendor. Let's look at this scripture. It says this in Philippians 3. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ sits and lives, and we are eagerly awaiting him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious supernatural spiritual bodies, much like, if not identical, to Jesus Christ when he was resurrected. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Do you remember the story of Moses at all? Moses was one of the biblical characters of faith closest to the heart of God. I mean, he was on Mount Sinai where God wrote in tablet, I mean, met him right there, developing the Ten Commandments, the laws, to build the nation under God. Moses was there and through God's power, he puts his staff on the ground and brings all the different plagues upon Egypt. And, Egypt, and, and then God delivers the Israelites from the hands of bondage through the Egyptians and through Moses' faith and belief, he puts that staff into the ground, trusting the power of God. And God comes and splits the Red Sea. And the Israelites walk, hundreds of thousands of Israelites walk upon dry ground. And if that's not enough, they need water. Moses got the staff. He just hits the rock and water comes out. Need food? Moses raises his staff to the Lord and manna comes down. Was it Moses? No, it was his relationship with the Father God and trusting God to take care of everything. So now Moses, close to dying, 
is on a mountainside. And he asked God, God, one thing. I want to see your glory. This is a man who saw God's power in every way that we have never seen before. And he wants to see his glory. And God said, you can't. Because you won't be able to, to handle it. You will die. Anyone who experiences my full glory will not be able to stay living. Don't believe me. Look how they improperly carried the Ark of the Covenant in David's day. In Uzziah, the Ark was wavering because they weren't carrying it properly. Properly, And he touched the Ark and he was immediately dead. Is you can't experience God's full glory. So it's not just about finding Christ. It's all about entering a covenant relationship with Christ. Binding and joining every part of your life and get your longings, your hurts, your desires, and everything to Jesus. Then and only then are you complete fulfillment that you're longing for that Jesus Christ can provide. Your children, mom and dad, will not complete your life. Complete it. And on the screen is just a thought I had this week. Is that we often think we will fill the longing of our hearts in people, in success, in possessions, in achievements, in money, in comfort, acceptance, beauty, romance, family, power, a movement, a goal, and any multiple of things. But the only way we will ever find true peace True fulfillment, true justification, being not guilty in the presence of God, true sanctification of looking like our glorified Jesus Christ more and more and more, and our future hope of being glorified with Christ Jesus forevermore. That is only done by bowing and surrendering your life to the cross and then entering into a relationship with Jesus. And now as the band comes up, I want to do a simple heart check. I'm 41 now. It's about time for me to have a heart check. I need to go get hooked up to those cables and make sure that everything is pumping and flowing properly. When's the last time you've worn the spiritual identification to give you the inventory of the pulse of your life and your spirit. We wear watches to tell us how many steps we have, how long we slept, and how much of that was interrupted and peaceful. How many calories you've gained or eaten, shall we say, not gained, but uh, taken, consumed in, tells you a lot of things, but what that watch cannot tell you is the right standing in your life, in your heart. Where is it? Is your heart grounded in the sacrificial act of Jesus? Or is it grounded in the things this world can provide you? Here's the thing, it's your decision. And your decision of that question will pay the price 
for all of eternity for your life. Is my life fully grounded on what Christ Jesus has done for me? Or is it grounded upon what the world can provide for me? Would you bow your heads? I just want to acknowledge that I, I know that there are people here today, maybe watching, you've never heard a spiritual heartbeat in your life. And you wonder why everything you do to gain happiness and joy always finds you flat on your face and emptier than the time before. It's because nothing of that can satisfy what Jesus can fill. And all you have to do to begin living spiritually in Christ is you need to recognize your sin. And then you need to recognize the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you. Can I just ask every single one in this place to repeat after me as we just pray together? And this may be the very first time someone ever genuinely prays this. Repeat after me. Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for finding me not guilty. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to bring me life and hope and freedom. receive it and I believe it in Jesus name amen there's nothing greater friends in life than knowing God and knowing the peace that passes all understanding there is nothing greater friends than knowing Jesus than knowing Jesus that he's your life he's your all he's your everything And so this morning on the way to church, I felt like the Lord said, it's communion day. And I didn't quite understand it at first, but then talking through the wedding message. We, when we get married here to our godsend, our soulmate, the person that we wanna spend our lives with, we put on a ring that represents the promises and the faithfulness to each other. And as we look upon it, we're reminded of our commitment, but we're also reminded of the love and the fullness that person brings to our lives. Some of us end up taking off the ring for a while. Faithfulness becomes not such a priority. And we begin to waver and leave those promises until we start to see the ring again. And we're reminded of the commitment and the covenant we made. So what are we who are married to Christ, the bridegroom, in relationship with God the Father through Jesus? What do we have as a marriage ring? Guess what we have? Communion. That's our marriage ring. That is what binds us to God. And in just a moment, we're gonna pass out the communion plate 
We're just gonna come in front of you and if you would like, you can take, it's already prepackaged. There's a wafer up on top and let me tell you, it does not taste good. But I'm glad, you know why? That bitter death and his body broken and crushed didn't taste good. It's not supposed to taste good. It's supposed to remind us of the bitterness and the brutality of his body being broken for you. You just peel off that cellophane right there on top, take the wafer, remember that he was crushed for you. And then you take the cover completely off and take the juice, remembering that it is only by the shedding of his blood that we can be forgiven from our sins for all time. And when you're done, just place the cup on the floor and we'll get it later. I just want you to worship. I just want you to enter in. Gaze upon your wedding ring with God the Father. This is your wedding ring. This doesn't save you. It reminds you that you are his and bought with a price. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.